0: Morning. That's like four good mornings that you get every time, and uh, you're terrible in the beginning, and then you get worse, okay? And so it's very disheartening for me, being that I'm like the sixth guy to come up here, and so what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to ramp up, okay? And so by the time I come speak and I say, good morning, I need a robust, you should be awake, you just sung worship music, the Holy Spirit is enlivening you, and so good morning, church. Yes! That's all we need, okay? Hey, uh, first thing we're going to do is get a few announcements in front of you. Um, we actually, and, and this, is, this is fantastic, over the last, uh, what, like three, four weeks, we've had about four or five announcements, it seemed, every single week as we were prepping stuff, that was really all happening this weekend. Um, now that we're here at this weekend, I don't have to announce any of it because it's already here, right? So we're doing baptisms, we're doing Operation Christmas Child, you should know all about this stuff, it's fantastic, and, and the dinners uh, last night went fantastic. How many people volunteered at one of the Thanksgiving dinners that was going on yesterday? Good. Fantastic. Love it. It was awesome to be out there with you guys, serve alongside you, um, and just kind of be able to bless different parts of our city. So, uh, that said, the only announcement we have today is for our Advent offering. Now, every single year, Redemption Church at every congregation takes up this Advent offering, this Christmas offering, as an opportunity for us, okay, in light of the gospel— in light of everything that we're learning, well up in generosity as we look back on all of 2014, what God has done, who he is, what he's provided, and say, hey, we're going to go and bless beyond measure um, other people, okay? And so uh, we've identified three different partners for uh, for this Christmas year. The first is going to be um, Mountain View Assembly of God Church here in town. They're a predominantly Native American-based church. About 98% of their congregation is Native American. They, uh, they need some help in sending their students home uh, with, with kind of some tools and resources that are going to allow them to be equipped over the Christmas break um, and show love to them on the reservation where sometimes... It's sticky situations when they go home, okay? And so uh, we're going to partner with them. They need some money to be able to help uh, fund that. And so we're going to send some money their way. That'll be kind of the first one. Uh, The second one we're giving to uh, is going to be uh, church planting in China. And so we have partners in central China that are working with a people group of 3 million, of which there are six known Christians, okay? And so they're planting churches out there, getting to know people, learning the language. And so we'll show you a video video actually next week uh, that'll give you kind of a little bit of a bigger idea Idea of what they're doing, so I want to send a good chunk of money their way, and I'll give you more stuff, uh, more idea of what they need next week. The one I want to focus on today, though, is uh, is adoption and foster care. Okay, Um, Redemption Church is heavily involved. In, in kind of a statewide movement called AZ-127. Now this is an organization that Redemption, along with other churches in partnership with the state, have started up to help solve this problem across the state of Arizona. And it is humongous. I mean, this problem is huge. There's over, and I'll probably ruin the stat, but something between four and 5,000 kids who need homes in Arizona alone. And so we want to be part of that solution, want to engage with that. And so AZ-127 is the avenue that we're doing that. So two things, okay? If you want to enter into that process, if you have questions, if you've thought about adoption and foster care, we want to help resource you, talk to you. What does that look like, okay? And then the other piece is going to be financial. So the third partner for our Advent offering will be AZ-127. Okay? Trying to help fund and resource this organization uh, that does incredible work with foster kids and, uh, and kids needing homes across the state. Also, uh, and I probably shouldn't share this because I haven't even talked to them yet, but there's, there's some people here in the church that we're also going to help fund their adoption process. And so this is going to be very local for us and, uh, and help do that as well. So just know as you give on, uh, December 7th and December 14th, you're giving directly back into some people here, uh, that are walking through that process. So anyway, those are the kind of the three things we're going to keep kind of hammering it with you. But December 7th, December 14th, we'll take up two offerings because we know a lot of you students will be gone by the 14th. So we're just going to get you early. Okay. And so, uh, be thinking now we're still a few weeks out from this. How do I save up? How do I go without that others might go with, if that makes sense. Okay. And so, um, Last year, we raised six grands. I'm looking to, I'm hoping we can double that this year. I want to see God really move in our hearts in response to what we've learned in Romans and to see something pretty great happen, okay? Make sense? Amen? Come on. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Okay. Um, today's the neat day. Today we do baptisms, and so I am pumped. I'm excited, and so as we go through this, I'm going to need some amens, okay? I'm going to need some interaction. I'm going I'm to need some... Get it? I'm going to need some, you know, whatever, whatever things you say, uh, let's, let's get going on that, okay? So open up your Bibles to Romans 16, verse 25. Romans 16, verse 25. This is the last time, at least for a very long time, that I will tell you to open your Bibles to Romans, okay? We're in the last sermon of a 70-week sermon series through the book of Romans, Okay? Let me ask this, how many people think that they've been here for 80% of this series? Okay, how many people have been here for 10% of this series? Okay, cool, some new folk. And then a guy here who's been here for a year, but just didn't come. Just kidding, Mike, I love you. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we are in the final week of this thing, and so what that means is, is we're going to look back. Okay? We're not going to try and cover every chapter. There was 16 of them. And so we're not going to break down each one. But what Paul does with this letter, and I think what we do with a lot of our letters, um, is we end our letters to people with kind of a final reminder, a final salute, a final recap, and then a final push. Right? So we kind of say, okay, well this is what I talked about and then this is, this is where I'm going. And so I hope that this series has been a blessing. Um, I've been asking different people, hey, what have you learned over the last 70 weeks, over the last year and a half as we've been doing this? What have you learned? What's got grown you, and I've loved some of the stories I've heard, and we're going to try and document some of those on the website and things like that. So anyway, really excited about that. Here's what I want to do as we get started, though, is I want to run through some things that have happened in our world since we started this series, okay? And so we did a few intermittent series in between the 70, and so we're going all the way back to last, not this previous Easter, okay, but the one before that, okay? So we're going way back, uh, and, and these are some things that have happened in our world since then. So we had in, uh, in April the Boston Marathon bombing, okay, so we were in Romans as that was, as that happened. Uh, Supreme Court strike down the Defense of Marriage Act and since then we've had 25 states legalize same-sex marriage. We've had the, uh, those big NSA leaks, right, where we all find out that, uh, that everybody knows what you're doing all the time, okay. Uh, George Zimmerman, you guys remember him in Florida, that happens and is acquitted uh, of the death of Trayvon Martin. Mohamed Morsi was overthrown in Egypt's uh, they found chemical weapons in Syria, which is a big deal. Remember the government shut down? That happened? Uh, remember the Grand Canyon was closed, and so all the German tourists were here pissed off? Remember that? <laughs> it's like, we have to stay here. We have to stay. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> healthcare.gov launched, right? Obamacare. Um, there's a funny video, okay, uh, that Jimmy Kimmel did. We went on the streets in New York or L.A., wherever he's at. And uh, he asked people this question. He goes, what do you like more, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act? Um, and if you don't know, they're the same thing, okay? And everyone said the Affordable Care Act, just, just funny, okay? Um, Nelson Mandela passed away, okay? Big hero, that was in December. The Seahawks won the Super Bowl, um, which is just evil, triumphing, um, happens, okay? Uh, we had the Sochi Olympics, which was a big deal in Russia, a lot of issues with that. There was a big crisis in Ukraine kind of around the same time, which was weird because we had the Olympics, and then we had the problems with, with Russia doing some shady stuff there. Uh, We had Donald Sterling, banned from the NBA. You guys remember that for racist comments? There was a Malaysian plane that went missing, still missing. Uh, Flagstaff got an REI. It's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You guys remember Hobby Lobby won their Supreme Court case in this last year? Uh, There's ISIS, declares an Islamic State in Iraq. Michael Brown was shot in Ferguson. That's obviously happened pretty recently. Uh, Robin Williams committed suicide in August. That was a big deal. Uh, Taylor Swift launched 1989, made the list, okay, uh, we had the huge general elections this last month, and so these are, these are just a few things, that, and the reason why I wanted to run through these, and as we were talking through these as a staff, uh, kind of a cross Redemption, we were looking at, man, all of the stuff that's happened, and man, I started going through each one and saying, okay, what does the gospel have to say about each of these, and it was abundant. Right? like There's so many issues here that the gospel speaks to, what's happening overseas, what's happening in Ferguson, what's happening in our own town, that we're all being shaped by this story, hopefully. And so, man, I was thinking, man, Romans was such a beautiful opportunity for us to allow the gospel, to allow scriptural, biblical truth to speak to real world issues like the Bible's supposed to. And so, again, this is just some great stuff that I saw happen. Anyway, um, here's the deal with what Paul's doing he's not going to see this church for another three to four years, right? So this letter is one of his last communicates with them, saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's what the gospel is. Here's what love looks like. And he lays those out. He'll see them a few years later when he finally gets to Rome. And so, again, this is his last opportunity in this long letter to say, this is what I want for you, right? This is what we talked about, and then this is what it looks like. And so that's where we're going to start today, chapter 25, or 16, verse 25. Amen. So, as I was going through this, usually we will just try and go verse by verse, sometimes word by word, and just break this down. But this is the longest run on in history, okay? And so we get this super long run on. This is very Pauline. This is what he does. And so I decided to paraphrase it in a way, excuse me, that I thought would make more sense for us today. And so here's what I think he's saying I think he's saying that God saves and strengthens all peoples through the gospel of Christ unto an obedience that glorifies God. Okay, let me read that one more time. God saves and strengthens all peoples through the gospel of Christ unto an obedience that glorifies God. Okay, I think that's what he's ultimately saying, okay, this is what we've talked about, and then this is my hope for us. So the way we're going to break this down today is kind of, we're going to use my, my, my translation, my paraphrase, because it, it's just going to be easier for us, I think, today to understand, and, and take 16 chapters and put it into hopefully only 25 to 30 minutes. Okay, so the first one, God saves and strengthens Here's what I love. If you go all the way back to Romans chapter 1, Romans 1, 16 and 17, we said it very often, right? What is the gospel? It's the power of God unto salvation. The power of God, unto that's what the gospel is. So if Paul's trying to communicate the gospel through this letter to the Roman church, okay? He starts off in the beginning, in chapter 1, saying it's the power of God to save. The power of God to strengthen. It's not us. And he repeats himself in chapter 16, bookending his letter with God's sovereignty and God's power to actually save and strengthen because we can't do it ourselves. So this is a main point for him. God's power, God strengthens. And, and we talked about throughout the series that our desire and our proclivity is always to insert ourselves and say, okay, we'll pay for it. Right? I'll take care of it. We'll earn it. We'll do our own work. And so I was thinking about this this week. And I used to work at a restaurant called, uh, called Babo, Italian eatery in, in Phoenix. Has anyone ever eaten there? Yes. Okay. Fantastic food. Um, I was working there, and, and we were serving, and my wife served there as well. And to be honest, I can't remember if this is her story or my story. Uh, and I should have asked, but I didn't. And so I'm just going to tell it as if it's mine. If it's hers, then good job, her. Okay? Um, so, so here's what happens. A guy at the bar is sitting there eating his meal, enjoying it, looks over, rings me or whoever. I can't really remember. And we, we come over and says, what's up? She says, I'd like to pay for the meal for that lady over there. She's just sitting by herself up against the, uh, up against the window, you know, just enjoying a meal. I said, that's awesome. So we, you know, ring her up, give him the bill. He pays the bill. And then when it's time for her to pay her bill, right, she's sitting down. She's like, I'll take my check. And I say very excitedly, oh my, like, guess what? The Bill's been paid right? And thinking she's just going to like weep and there's just going to be like this moment of like, I love humanity. Um, instead, she goes, what? Why'd they do that? Do I look poor? Do I look like someone who can't pay my own bill? Where are they? What's wrong with them? What did I do? I can pay my own bill. I'll pay my own bill. Take it back. How do I do this? I'll pay for it. And she begins to argue, no, I want to pay this. I'm like, no, it's, it's been paid for. There's no more bill. It's gone. She says, no, I can pay for this. I don't need someone else to pay for me, okay? Now, we hear that, and, and listen, especially every student in the room is like, I would never do that, right? It's <laughs> like, I'm going to go to Bricks later and see, hey, poor, right? <laughs> she fought and fought and fought because she just had to pay her own way. And so I think a lot of us will sit here and you're thinking, man, I would never do that. But I guarantee, listen, we do it in all sorts of other ways. So that that might sound crazy. You never reject a free meal, okay? But we reject this grace all the time. We reject it every single time you think you need to earn your way back to God. You reject it every single time that you live in legalism and not in freedom, okay? Every single time you put the burden of your salvation on yourself, you're rejecting grace. You're rejecting the paid bill that Christ has paid for on the cross. And so I think Paul is, is landing here again. God saves and strengthens. You don't save, you don't strengthen. God saves, God strengthens, all glory be to him. Amen? The second thing, this gospel is for who? This gospel is for all peoples. All peoples, right? He says here at the end of Romans, okay, he goes back, listen, all these people in the Old Testament, and they were dying to know what we know that the mystery that has now been revealed to the church, Jesus, the gospel. In other words, how would God answer the problem of sin? Because they tried to earn it in the Old Testament, they tried to live up to the checklist, and they couldn't do it. The mystery was, well, how is this ever going to work? Jesus Christ. Been revealed to all peoples. Every nation. Doesn't matter, color, race, doesn't matter your story, your background, where you've done, or what you've done, where you've been. Okay? Doesn't matter where you live. This gospel is for all peoples, to the ends of the earth. Everyone is welcome. Come on in. Doesn't matter what you've done. You ever realize that Jesus, in his ministry, throughout the time, he calls, right? Calls the 12 together, calls his 12 apostles. So you ever realize he treats Judas the same way he treats John? Now, he might bring John into a couple meetings here or there, but when you talk about affection, you talk about heart, you talk about love, you talk about care, talk, he treats Judas the same way he treats John, his best friend, the same way he treats his betrayer. Because that is who he is. Christ could not not be himself. So he, he came in love and care for even the enemy. We rejoice in that truth because we were the enemy. Before we found Christ. Okay. And as harsh as that sounds, if you're here today and you, don't, you haven't given your life to Christ, you haven't placed faith in Him and the work that He's accomplished for you on the cross, you're trying to earn this life by yourself, whatever that means, listen, the Bible says you're an enemy of God this morning. The man, He wants to make you an ally. He wants to make you a friend. He wants to make you a son. He wants to make you a daughter. Okay. To all people, to all nations that's who the gospel's for. And so our church, our engagement, who we interact with, how we share the gospel has got to keep that in view. I think that's what Paul's saying. Listen, this is for everyone. It's not just the Jew, it's not it's for the entire world. So live in such a way that presents the gospel holistically to all people. No matter where they come from, what they've done, what color they are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. Third part. This happens how it happens through the gospel of Christ. To all people by the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we use this word all the time here, right? The gospel, this, the gospel must inform. The gospel must change. The go- and so sometimes it just gets lost in translation because we use it so much. So let's clarify. Let's clarify what Paul has told us the gospel is. Paul has told us in one sixteen 16, and 17 that it's the power of God unto salvation... Right? For all who would believe. And so there's a salvation piece. God is saving. God is redeeming. God is restoring. And he's doing it in light of the fact that for the longest time we tried to get there ourselves and we could not. Law didn't work. And so we needed grace. That could only come through Jesus. So here's what Christ did. Christ comes, born of a virgin, lives the life, okay, that perfect life that we all kind of wish we could live. He does it to the T. And then he goes to the cross. He opens not his mouth. He dies. He's crucified. Even though it should have been us up there. Okay? Even though it should be us up on the cross. Instead it's Christ. Instead it's God. And then he does something miraculous. And three days later he raises from the dead. To remind us. To show us. To invite us into a new creation that we too will be resurrected, that we too will have new life. In him, that is the gospel. The gospel, it's the good news that God didn't give up on man. That if you go back all the way to Genesis and you see, listen, we blew it. We had everything. Could have been fantastic. Could have been no sin. The colors would have been brighter. The taste would have been sweeter. Okay? We blew it. And God had every right to say, that's it. Experiment failed. I'm out of here just going to hang the three of us, okay? Instead, he inaugurates chapter 3, okay, the gospel. This story that God didn't give up on man. Okay. He also, uh, it's also good news for us um, because God wants to restore all things. So it's not just that God wants to come in, it's not that he just wanted some friends, it's that he has a love for his creation. That when he looks at you and he looks at me and he looks at the world, he says, man, I want that back and I want it to be the way it was supposed to be. And so he's going to come again. And this is what we're going to talk about in Advent. So starting next week and for the three weeks after that, we're going to talk about this kingdom that is kind of here but, but not fully here quite yet. And how God is restoring and renewing. It's going to be beautiful. So if you're here, and a lot of you going home, but it's going to be amazing. See the gospel is also the good news and I'm gonna kinda steal this from Tim Keller Okay, but it's the good news that we are far more sinful than we'd ever dare believe Okay, hear me we are far more sinful than we'd ever dare believe but we are far more loved than we'd ever dare hope Okay, we're far more sinful than we'd ever dare believe but we are far more loved than we'd ever dare hope we are so messed, and, and Romans, man, Paul. If you guys remember chapters like two, three, four, five, I mean, it was just nonstop pounding us over the head with our brokenness, with our sin, with our depravity, with the fact that we always. It says, in, man, it says in Romans one that we invent evil, right? That we just kind of walk around thinking of new ways to do evil things. That's who we are. And yet, in the midst of that reality. We have this reality that the one who made us loves you, loves me, loves his creation so much that we have greater hope than we'd ever believe. And I want you to really, really think about this. Think, think, think about those, right, who are just in this place right now, in the world that don't know Christ, okay, and they're sitting in a reality that there's just brokenness and there's pain and there's hurt and they can't seem to get their life together and everything is falling apart. When I spend time with people like that, hope is not something that I easily come by. The reality for us, the reality for man, is we are far more broken than the most broken person you've ever met. That when we really get down to what's going on in here, we're just kind of messed up. Okay? And yet in the midst of that, this perfect God, this perfect Savior, gives us great hope because we are far more loved than we'd ever believe, okay? That's the gospel. The gospel is we don't have to because Christ already has, okay? And so we just live in response to that. That is the gospel for us today. And here's the reality for us is I think, I think we're just far too easily pleased, Okay? We, we, we just, we get wooed by these other things and all of a sudden the gospel doesn't seem that great and I think it's because we just get so excited about things that, so we were, Verdi and I and, and some friends, we were at the Grand Canyon and uh, obviously Grand Canyon's beautiful, but, but what was kind of strange for me is we had sat down to have lunch, okay, and we're sitting there and all of a sudden we hear all these people coming by kind of really excited, very jubilant, taking pictures, snapping. I mean, there was like this frenzy of excitement and joy, I'm like, "Oh my god. Like to the I'm like, what it must be a Sasquatch? Like we found Bigfoot. Like that's that's the there's a shark. Like a shark at the Grand Canyon." That's how crazy everyone was getting. It was a squirrel. Okay? Okay? It was a squirrel. Right? So all of us could leave, right? We'll walk out the exit door. We'll see seven squirrels in the parking lot eating a bag of Cheetos or something, right? And yet some for some reason You move these same people to the Grand Canyon, and they're like, oh my God, it's a squirrel! (laughs) Never seen something like that before. You see what that squirrel did? Climbed a wall. Instagram. Right? I mean, it's just like, how is this, we are so excited about things that seem so pointless. When we have this infinite good story about a savior... about God who loved you enough, man, to live a perfect life and die a death in your place. And yet we celebrate so many weird things. We need to understand as a church, and I think what Paul is just, man, that's why this whole book, he's hammering away at the truth of the gospel because I think he's just saying, man, we're we're falling for things that are just not that good. There's a squirrel, man, there's God... Here, present the Holy Spirit lives inside every believer. God is in you. That is exciting stuff. So everyone, go home. Just take a picture of like your heart and post that. Be like hashtag Holy Spirit. (laughs) Exclamation point! Right. The gospel is far greater than we often give it credit. And so I think what Paul does is he keeps hammering this thing for 16 straight chapters, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And that's what we try and do here too. Because without it, we're we're just, we're hosed. We're messed up. We don't stand a chance. But it's good news because God didn't just let us be, but he came after us, and then he did everything necessary that it would work. (laughs) He wasn't dependent on you. It's God. Okay? Um, next thing, unto an obedience, okay, so this gospel leads us to an obedience, and he spent, so if 1 through 11 was really laying out the gospel, we've said that 12 through 16 was kind of the outworking of this, what does it mean for us to be obedient to the gospel, to say, okay, if this is really as good as I think it is, I'm going I'm to love it, I'm going I'm to saturate myself in it, I'm going to think through it, but I'm going to apply this, and so he gives us these very tangible things over these five chapters to say, hey, this is what it looks like for us to walk in light of the gospel. And it constantly, this theme of love kept coming up, didn't it? That, that we love one another. And these are the different ways that that would manifest itself. Because we see the love of God. We see the manifest love of God through Christ come to this world. And so in response to that, we live out our faith. I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, and they were asking this question of what are you living for? Are you living for your resume? Or are you living for your eulogy? Okay. In other words, are you living in this life that you would be able to show a bunch of people, hey, look, look at everything I'm doing, right? I, I went to church this much, I served in this many ministries, I read the Bible this much, I blessed this many people, I, on and on. Are you trying to lay out a resume both before man and before God? Or can we see our lives through the lens of a eulogy, right? Through the lens of, hey, what are people going to say when you're actually gone? About the type of man, about the type of woman you are. About what? what I mean, what are those things that would be said in that moment? And, and and there's holes, obviously, in every metaphor. But I love that illustration because again, to think through, what what would people say? Would they look at my life? And if you remember, in chapter twelve, on top, in the bold letters, it starts chapter twelve saying, "The marks of a true Christian." Right, the marks of a true Christian. So what I wonder as I went back, I started to read 12 through 16 again, I said, would you guys, knowing me pretty well, especially my wife, my family, my closest friends, would I die, if I died today, would they be able to look to Romans 12 through 16 and say, yeah, that guy was a true Christian? Like, did he screw up? Absolutely. And there's plenty of room for screwing up in the gospel. Okay? Plenty of room for messing up. But would they look to those things and say, yeah, he loved that way. That guy must have loved the gospel. Because what we kept saying is that we cannot be obedient. We will fail over and over and over because, it, I mean, if we don't love the gospel, if we don't saturate, saturate ourselves on the gospel. And so if we are living lives that reflect what we saw in those five chapters of Romans, right at the end there, what it looks like to love and lie of Jesus, I think people could show up at you usually and say, you know what, yeah, that guy loved the gospel. He loved God. He loved Jesus. Here's how I know. And then be able to walk through all of these things. Okay. So the gospel saves us and strengthens us unto an obedience to him. Okay. That people would know and hear and see the goodness of Jesus. Okay. That's, what, that's, what, that's what happens. And like I said, there's, there's room to fail. So this doesn't mean obedience and you're just always going to work this sucker out. No, you're going to fail all the time. You're going to die and you're going to come back. Every day, new mercies. Don't try, once you're in it, don't try and earn it again. Listen, just live, love, reflect on the gospel, tell people the gospel, love people, bless people, serve people. And I think if we, I think if we do that, and I think if the, here's, here's what I love, here's what I love, is that the, uh, the Roman church, it's pretty amazing when you begin to see what they did early on, that they were getting these different encouragements from Paul and from different people, from different pastors, investing in the church in Rome, because it was such a cultural hub, obviously, for the empire. And you begin to see, what did the church in Rome do? How did they respond to this call? And it was magnificent. You read story after story after story of early church fathers talking about the church in Rome and what they saw happen, the witness, the boldness, the servitude, all of that for the sake of the gospel. So my hope is, right, as, as our pastor here is to say, man, I hope that in somehow we receive this letter in the same way they did. And we wouldn't let this just go to waste. Everything we've learned, everything that's been said, everything that Paul communicated via the power of the Holy Spirit, between the, the God breathing through him, speaking through him, that that reality would shape us and transform us forever. And that we would be different. And that we live out the implications of the gospel, okay? The last part of this is that all of this is to glorify God, okay? It's to glorify God. God saves and strengthens all peoples through the gospel of Christ unto an obedience that glorifies God at the end of the day. And that's how Paul lands his letter in Romans, lands his letter to them. Listen, all glory be to God. Might everything we do be for his glory. Every righteous action for his glory. Listen, here's what God's going to do. God's going to even take your messed up actions and he's going to make those for his glory because that's what God does. God's going to take the mountaintop parts of your life for his glory. He's going to take the valley low moments for your life make them for his glory because he is worthy and because as he is glorified, people see, take notice, and are changed. The more we make much of him, the more the hearts of man are changed. So magnify his glory. Moments like this, every Sunday that we get together, what these really are, they're just opportunities for us as the church to point to the glory of God. Whether it's singing, it's reading the scripture, it's doing announcements, it's the meet and greet time, every single aspect of what we do is worship to a God who deserves all glory, honor, and praise. Every single aspect of what we do. Last part I'm going to say today, okay, is that Paul gives, the, gives Romans this letter, and I think we spent 70 weeks on it, ultimately, that we would know, love, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Know, love, and respond. And so, we all need to be doing those three, th- those three things simultaneously. Always learning more about it. Always falling, in more, love with, falling more in love with it. And always responding. And so today, as we respond as a congregation and as a church, I trust that all three will happen. That as people come forward to be baptized, that those in here who don't know that much about the gospel will learn more. That as they see people come forward and come and represent a life that is now washed clean, that they learn more about the power of the gospel. That as they see it, their love and your affection would well up and desire that gospel. And then perhaps maybe you'd come up and do this yourself, or maybe you go out and share. I don't know what that looks like for each of us to respond, but but I'll tell you this: what we get to do now is easily my most favorite thing we do here. Okay, Blake. Blake knows. Okay, Blake's been dunked here. We we shook him, shook all that sin off. You know, um, what we do here is easily my favorite part of anything that happens at our church, and, and here's why. There's nothing, it's not like, hey, we baptize this many people, and it's not that. It's that every time I see someone come forward, and I don't know every single person that we've baptized here well, okay, but I know a lot of you, and what I see is everyone who comes forward, guess what that is? That's a testimony to God's power and God's grace and the power of the gospel, and so what it does is it teaches me more about God. It shapes me to look more like Jesus, and it causes me to rejoice and give him glory, so here's what baptism is, for those of you who don't know. Okay. Baptism is for every believer. If you love Jesus, you should be baptized. We've studied this a bunch. Last time we did baptism, we spent our whole time okay, talking about baptism, about why it's so powerful, about why why it's such a thing that the church is supposed to do. Jesus did it, and so, listen, if he does it, you should do it. Baptism is an outward representation of an inward reality. So when you gave your life to Jesus, you became new, you became changed, you became different. And so what you do is you go in the water, you acknowledge your old self. You go in the water, you come out new and changed and clean. That's what baptism is. And so what we're gonna do today is there's a few people that have already signed up have you come up and get baptized, and we're going to do that. But, like every single time, like last time, what we, we did, we had six people sign up for baptism. We had 12 extra people come up and get baptized that day that didn't plan on it. And then I think there's a lot of you here, you've never been baptized, but you love Jesus. Today's the day. Okay? There, there, there's, there's no reason to wait. Every, every story you find, when someone gets saved in the New Testament, they find a puddle, okay? and they just roll them through the water, okay? Get baptized, okay? We also believe this. If you were baptized as a baby or as a child, very young, and you would say that it wasn't really my choice, it wasn't my own volition, I, it wasn't really any confession moment for me, it was just this is what was going on, my parents weren't, get baptized again, okay? What we believe, it's, it's a believer's thing, We love Jesus, and so in response, we tell the world through baptism. And so you're here, and you've never been baptized, or you've been baptized before, but it it had nothing to do with your love for Jesus. Today's the day. Today's the day that we, as a church, and individually as you come forward, but we proclaim together, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Some of you are here today and you just believe today. You gotta come forward to get baptized. Okay? Maybe there's some hesitations in your mind like, I don't know, I'm not ready. What does that look like? You might have some questions. If you love Jesus, come and get baptized. Okay? If you're worried about clothing, right, well, you know, we're in a dress, okay? Again, we got shorts, okay? Yeah, I know. And you'll, you can keep them. So if that convinces you, right? You also get this stylish tee, right? Uh, don't let those be the reasons why you come and get baptized. But listen, we got shorts. We got towels, okay? There's a stylus in the back that's going to redo your hair, ladies. Just kidding. It's not that. Don't expect that. We don't have that. Okay. If you're here and you love Jesus, He is your Savior, whether that happened 10 years ago or it happened 10 minutes ago, today's the day for baptism. And I'll say to the church, okay, rejoice. As you see these people come forward, and you guys are already really good at it. I mean, we love this moment. Right? You guys are going to cheer and you're going to clap and you're going to yell. I mean, support. I mean the angels rejoice in heaven when someone gets saved I and mean, we're just going to rejoice as people go in the water and represent that moment. Okay. And so again, today some of you are going to get baptized. The rest of us are going to cheer you on. And we're going to rejoice with you. We're going to celebrate not our work, not something that we've done, not something